Hey everyone, uh, good afternoon or good evening, depending on what time you're watching this and where, what country, possibly you're out of the country at a different time zone. Um, I'm here today with you alone, I'm going solo. Uh, Dwayne is actually super busy with his summer camp and um, they're doing a special event today and he needed to be there. So um, he had asked that maybe I could either reschedule the call or I just figured, hey, listen, let me do a 20 to 30 minute quick call for all the listeners and hopefully give you some insight and stuff that you could use right away within your schools. Now, number one, for us, uh, back to school isn't for a few weeks. Um, in other places, today, I see it up on Facebook, tons of people are going back to school. So you're already in the back to, back to school rush. Now, you should be in the mindset, of course, of thinking of what you're doing a few months ahead of time. So you should have had all your marketing back to school specials, advertising out to whatever uh, sources of advertising that you're doing, talking about the back to school rush. But the good news is, is that back to school means no one's being lazy. They're back into the flow. They're back into the into the swing of things. And hopefully they'll be getting back to the dojo. Number one, attendance should go up if people have been missing. Number two, new people should be thinking about activities. So this is a good time, August through the end of year, all the way into the new year for new enrollment to rev up your membership at your schools. Last week, though, we spoke about a... Um, a, we had an interview, which we did it just on the phone because the two uh, interviewers that they didn't want or interviewees didn't want to be on camera. So we just did a call and we had two of Dwayne's, um, Dwayne's clients that were uh, moms in the school <clears throat> because it's our goal to really get in the head of what our clients are thinking, right? Because quite often we could live in this little bubble, right? We're in this bubble and we're, we're saying to ourselves like, you know, hey, this is what our clients should know, should expect, should act like, right? We have a lot of shoulds. And one time I was speaking to John Graydon, and he said, Ali, if you keep shoulding, you're going to should all over yourself, right? And I like that line. I've kept it ever since. It's been about 15 years ago since he said it to me. And um, I've always realized that, you know, we can expect what we expect. We can believe what we believe, but that doesn't necessarily make it the truth. Like, Perception is reality, but it's the person's reality, right? Perception is what you see it to be. But in order to really have a truth about what's going on, we have to ask our clients. Now, that doesn't mean we have to bend to the will of all of our clients. Um, we have our own rules, our own regulations, the way we run our business, and we might be one flavor of ice cream, and they might be looking for a different flavor of ice cream. Um, and we have to decide on whether we're willing to bend at all to appease those type of people, right? So I'll give you an example. Uh, many, many years ago, I had a mom who um, supposedly at the time loved my school, but she'd always complain about things that she thought should be done differently. And I would, I would listen to her and I'd say, yeah, but that's not what we do. Like one example was, she, you, know, you know, if you built your school and um, you, know, you had red, white, and blue stripes and blah, 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 and this, this and that. I'm like, that's not our school. Our school is a traditional Japanese ninjutsu and jujitsu school. Um, we have cedar on the walls. We have beautiful colors, um, you know, uh, of the Japanese, you know, motif or design. Um, so I'm looking for that traditional look. She was looking for more like a sport martial art based school. And um, I think that uh, to me, that was not what I, not, I don't think I know that's not at all what I was looking to do. Right. So she just didn't fit my model all that well. 
So with that being said, um, we have to know whether we're willing to bend slightly to, to appease certain people. Um, we can't be, you know, um, thick headed and, and think like, hey, listen, it's my way or the highway only, because if we do that, we might only have a very tiny little group of people that um, are interested in what we do. But if that's OK and that's what you want, that's fine, too. So anyway, you have to remember that. Perception is reality, but it's your perception is your reality. Their perception is their reality. So anyway, we did this great interview with these moms, and I wanted to know what made them tick. Like, what did they think? Like, for example, we do a parents' night out. We charge um, $30 for it, right? Are they thinking, like, wow, that's a ripoff? I'm not getting my money's worth. Or are they thinking like, wow, that's a steal. I'm going to jump on that in a heartbeat because I couldn't even pay a babysitter for three hours, um, less than 15 bucks an hour plus a tip, and I have to feed them. And they sit on their cell phone all night with their, you know, either talking to their boyfriend or girlfriend, hardly playing with the kids or whatever. So what is it that they're actually thinking? And this is what we have to ask people, right? I'll give you another example. Um, when you do a parent's night out, we normally get a group of people. Let's just say... 20 of your membership, let's say you have 100 students, out of the 100 students, 20 sign up. And quite often we say, you know, hey, I'm happy we had 20 people. Well, maybe if I market it different or it was a different time of year, next time I'll have 40 people, right? And then we repeat the process and maybe we get 25 people, right? And we go, oh, that wasn't bad. It was a little better than before. What we ne neglect to do is to reach out to all the non-participants. First of all, we have to say, okay, in the demographic of parents' night outs, it might be um, five-year-olds to like 12-year-olds, right? How many of those students do we actually have? You know, maybe we have um, 35 of those, and then the rest of them are adults. So our marketplace, and we're pretty much tapping into our entire marketplace at that point, but if you have 100 people who fit into that age demographic and you're only getting 30 or 35, you have to ask yourself, why did the other 70 or 65 of them not engage in the process? Why didn't they go to the seminar that you held? Why didn't they come to um, the retreat that you did? Why didn't they participate in the parents' night out, right? And then you have to go and speak to them. We can't assume and go, ah, which we often do. Ah, those people, they're just not into it. Or, oh, they're not ready. You know, make up things in our heads to justify why we're feeling the way we are to kind of make ourselves get over the hump and not really worry about our lack of attendance or lack of marketing or, you know, buy-in, right? So that's very, very important. So understanding that, you have to say to yourself, what can I do to engage these people? What can I do to get more of them to go? How do I get more of them to go? My suggestion is, number one, if you're the owner and you have free time, you don't have staff members, or even if you do, maybe as the owner, you give a call to each and every member. Hey, Mrs. Jones, um, I noticed we've done three parents' night out since you joined my school, and your son has never attended one. Can I ask you why? Is there a reason? Is it too expensive? Is it that you don't see it as a valuable, you know, event that, it, you know, your kid or, you know, I've had stories where I assumed the parent just didn't want to go and we, we went and did a movie day. And, and I was wondering, like, why didn't this kid go? He's like one of our top kids. Well, he hates the movies. He was afraid of the dark, a younger kid. He didn't want to be a part of it. Right. Um, there was a deeper reason that was involved rather than me just thinking that they didn't want to attend. But then there are others that say, oh, yeah, you know, we don't really do many of those events, you know, blah, blah, blah. Now you have to entice them. Hey, Mrs. Mrs. Jones, Mrs. Smith, whatever the name is, you know, hey, can I give you a coupon for like half price? 
and then you promise me that you'll at least try the next one. Um, you're not investing all that much and, you know, please just do it and see if you like it. I mean, you don't have to do every one, but be a part of it. You know, would you like that 50% off coupon? Um, oh yeah, sure. I'll, I'd love that. You know, yeah, let me give it a shot right now. What we're doing is we're nurturing people to become buyers in our, our, you know, product that we're selling, right? Here's an interesting thing I'll give you. It's called the, the uh, soda machine theory, right? So um, we, we basically used to have drink refrigerators that you open up and you take the drink and you pay for it. By the way, I don't recommend them. I still have one in one school and I just never can account for where the drinks are going. I have the other one in my large school that they have to put the money in. And then I know that all of a sudden I started making a profit. So that showed me that people were taking drinks and not paying for them, right? So here's the thing. Um, Number one, right, the drink machine philosophy is this. Once with that refrigerator, the open and closed door refrigerator, um, we ran out of drinks and it was empty, right? We used to sell cases of drinks and, and the, the people didn't replace the drinks for quite some time. So what happened was people shifted from doing their workout, sweating, going to the refrigerator and buying a drink to saying, okay, I'm thirsty. I got to go. I'm going to leave now and I'm going to go to 7-Eleven around the corner. And what that did was that created a buying population for 7-Eleven. They got out of the swing of purchasing from our school and they went and bought elsewhere. So now that became their tradition, their, their flow of the night. Hey, I'm going to go train. They're out of the swing of buying from our refrigerator and they went and they bought it at 7-Eleven and it shifted dynamics. It took us months and months and months to get people back to purchasing drinks in our store. Um, so that philosophy is that, you know, the same with parents' night outs, um, special events, upgrades to Black Book Club. If you're not getting your people to understand that they should be, and I say should, they, they should be purchasing backpacks from your school with your logo for back to school rather than getting them from target or wherever right um if you don't have them in the flow of the buying population getting sweatshirts and t-shirts they're going to see your merchandise on your walls at not as nothing but decorations so back to the original conversation what are the parents thinking and these moms that you got to go back and listen to this call it was really awesome you know to hear like how they felt like another really insightful thing um, the moms were upset uh, when they started sparring in Dwayne's school. First, it's light contact, and then it got to be a little heavier contact. And, you know, they one of the kids got hit and started to cry, didn't want to go to sparring. Now the parent's upset. You know, and I'm thinking, like, in my head, you know, listen, they have to take their bumps and bruises in order to learn. That's part of sparring. God forbid they get in a real fight, they're going to get hurt. What, are they going to curl up in a ball and cry? So my mentality, and probably all my friends that are on here, Louis Osensei is on here, Vasquez, Osensei Vasquez and Mike Bodansky, two good friends on the call at the same time, and my fiance Nicole and a few others. So, um, so we need to say, I, I would say, I mean, they, we want them to train. Listen, stop being a wimp and go out there and take your bumps and bruises and grow from it. But the mother's back going like mama bear, protector bear. Like I would, you know, who's hitting my daughter. Like I used to hate when my, I went to a few when she, my daughter was really young to gym events in the public school and they were playing dodgeball and she was getting racketed with that dodgeball, right? Because she wasn't really great at dodgeball. And, um, I was mad. I was like, I wanted to grab the ball and, and pummel that kid who was hitting my daughter. So I, I became the ferocious father that was going to protect my kid. Now the parents see that as well, right? So here's the thing. What I gathered and I gleaned from this conversation was that we need to almost have a conversation with those parents 
to let them know what to expect, right? If we're not letting them know what to expect, they're going to be shocked when something happens. And of course, they're going to react to it in a way that's protective of their child, right? And they'll be angry with us because we didn't prepare them for it, prepare their child for it. And they're shocked at what they see. And in reality, these two parents told me that after they really got into the swing of things and understood that we as a school have the best child's best interest in mind, um, they broke down on that protective barrier and said, listen, I trust in in the instructor to do their thing, right? So communication is the key. So even back to the parents' night out, we need to communicate to the people who are not attending because the ones that are attending who get it, get it. They're our fans. They love what we do. They're coming to our events. We need to communicate to the ones that are not coming. We need to communicate to those parents that have the kids never sparred, right? The ones that may be shocked at what happens. Now, this is something that I know Sensei Vasquez, if he's still listening, um, back in the day when I trained with him, it was a very old school mentality, right? So sometimes like, hey, listen, you don't like it, get the heck out of here, right? I wish those days were still around. But if we want to have a massive school or we have a large clientele or even a medium-sized clientele, we have to be aware, not necessarily bend to their will, but be more aware of what goes on in the psychology, the brain of that parent or that student, if that makes sense. So uh, hey, Sifu, Rick, good having you here with us. And, um, you know, I'm glad a lot of people are jumping on the call today. So anyway, I'm not going to stay on super long, maybe a half an hour at the most. So I'm already at the 14-minute mark, right? Um, so understanding this conversation, I, I really learned a lot. Like now, maybe in depending on what software you have uh, that you run your school with, maybe send out a series. And I do this, actually. I, I use, um, and I'm loving this software. I, I mean, I, I, I'm saying this because... I've tried and looked at every martial arts software that's out there, and I finally found the one that actually does what I do in my schools. It has everything automated and beyond. Like every time I dig deeper into this software, I'm blown away by it, and it's Spark Membership, right? Um, so sparkmembership.com, uh, run by Master Ron Sell and Sensei Park or Master Parks. Um, so uh, check that software out, sparkmembership.com. If you do decide to get it, uh, let them know that I recommended you. I don't make anything on it, but I just want them to know that I'm pushing something that I believe in. Also, too, um, if you want me to walk you through it and show you all the things that I'm using. So anyway, back to communication. I've put in these different funnels, like when a new student joins, I just tag them on the software and it sends out a sequence of emails and text messages and then it assigns a task for my staff member to call and follow up. So one email, one text message, one email, and then a, an assigned task to my staff member to call them and make sure they got the emails and texts and they understood it and they read it so that we indoctrinate them into our schools so that they have a clear understanding of what we do and they become hopefully like the book that was written, Raving Fans, right? Um, it's probably on my bookshelf somewhere back there. I don't want to take the time to look at it, but look it up and, and read it on, uh, you know, get it from Amazon, raving fans. Um, so we have to be responsible to understand the mindset of the person. I'll give you an example too. Another example I had, um, 
I had a family that got angry with me because I was, they kept showing up without their uniform. Now, they claim that my staff member didn't tell them, but they, they got their welcome to the family package, and it says about how important a uniform is. They didn't get that, they claimed, so I said to them, hey, you need a uniform. They, they okay. And the next time they came in, they didn't have the uniform. I asked the grandparents, and now the kids started to get upset. Now, they were furious with me. Um, and now they, they wanted to quit my school. They wanted their money back. They talked bad about me, still talk bad about me on the internet. I made their six-year-old cry. Um, and, uh, anyway, long story short, I feel like if we would have communicated with them from day number one, the importance of the uniform and not, here's the thing, not the importance of the uniform for me, right? But why the uniform is so important to them. What lessons do they learn by checking their gear and making sure it's in their bag, um, making sure they have everything that they need, taking a personal inventory, right? Um, making sure that they keep their stuff neat and clean and they take care of it. It doesn't matter if they're five or six. If they're four years old, you could do it with them. You don't have to do it for them, right? Have them play a part in it rather than a process. So anyway, we should know this as instructors, but we just basically say, make sure you wear your uniform. And then they go, oh, we forgot it. Well, don't forget it anymore. And if they do it again, we're both like, now we're at our because they keep forgetting it. They're mad at us. It's like when people don't pay their bills, they're angry with the bill collectors for calling, asking for the money. It's the same thing with us. You know, we're telling them to wear their uniform. They know they should have wore their uniform. They didn't wear their uniform. Who are they going to get pissed at? Not themselves, but us, right? So we have to be real careful that we communicate super well from day number one. We indoctrinate them and explain to them that everything is for their benefit. Wearing their uniform is for their benefit. Like I'll give you an example. My daughter, she's just 19 now, and um, she she washed the dishes this morning. I asked her to wash the dishes, and she said, uh, why do I have to wash the dishes? I said, because they're dirty. Well, can't you just put them in the dishwasher? Not many dishes. Why don't we just wash them by hand? So she did it. Well, I don't know if she was totally happy. Then, then she's cleaning her room, and I, I couldn't hear her or know where she was, and I said, hey, Kiara, where are you? And uh, she didn't answer, and then she opened her door, and she's like, uh, I'm cleaning my room. And then she's like, go away, kind of. Like, she didn't say it, but she – and then closed the door on me. So I just stood there, and she reopened it. Are you standing at the door, Dad? Yes, I am. Um, what are you doing? I just want to know what you do. Oh, I'm cleaning my room like you asked. And so I'm holding her accountable, but at the same time, she's learning responsibility. She's doing what she needs to do. Now, one day when she's not with me, I'm hoping that these skills, these these traits will be brought out in her, and she'll keep her house clean and – when she has a family, she'll clean up after them and expect them to do their job, et cetera, et cetera. So by us, something so simple as communicating the message, teaching the clientele what's expected of them, having them have the tools, meaning that you teach them, tell them how to help themselves and their children and give them little tidbits of information um, will make your life better. So these are the things that I kind of got out of all of this stuff by talking to these parents. You, you need to listen to this call. It's a pretty powerful call that we did last week, and um, we really have to understand it. Now, let me answer a few questions. So Rick Kellerman, Sifu Rick Kellerman, he said, I had a mother try to tell me that if she saw her daughter getting hit too much, too hard during the black belt test, she was going to pull her out. I told her then she has no business testing. By the way, mom is a black belt in a well-known franchise school. She eventually came around. The girl tested fine, fought well, and all is well in the world. Mom is back in her old school, and it's gradually pulling her daughter in with her. Um, yeah, yeah, listen, this happens all the time. Uh, you know, we, we have to understand that um, people have their perception, their reality of what we do. Um, one thing I also found out by listening to these parents was um, – 
I asked them, like, do you realize, like, you know, your school is different? Do people realize that, Sifu Rick, that you're a Kung Fu master who put in 20 years, 30 years, 40 years of the martial arts, and that you are a high-end, high-level teacher in your martial art? I think the majority of parents, and I had one say it to me about a year or so ago, they said, you're not the only game in town. And I said, well, I, I am. And they said, no, there's schools everywhere. I said, well, there are schools everywhere, just like there are local restaurants everywhere. But I am the only game in town that teaches ninjutsu who trained in Japan. In fact, everyone around within a vicinity of this area that I live that do ninjutsu or have a school, they were all my students at some point. If they're they're offshoot and now they're teaching Krav Maga or they're teaching a program here. They were all my students at one point if they're claiming ninjutsu in any way, shape or form. Um, so uh, I am the only person in town doing what I do, specializing in what I do, training with my high level of experience and, and expertise. Yes, I am. However, with that being said, maybe they don't give a crud. Maybe they don't care if it's Taekwondo, Jiu-Jitsu, MMA. Maybe they don't have the education to understand that. And another thing that we have to do is to educate the parents on why we're special. I call it tooting your own horn. If you don't toot your own horn and talk about what you do and what you do right, then others will not know. We, we kind of are this humble kind of mentality in the martial arts. We don't want to talk about ourselves too much because it sounds like we're bragging. We want to talk about what we do because it sounds like we're boasting, right? And the fact of the matter is, is that if we don't do it and our staff is not trained to do it, then they're not going to know, right? So the parents need to be told how lucky they are, why we're so special. And, you know, not in a bad way, but just so they understand that what they're getting is not what other people give them. They can't go down the road to another school because they don't offer what we offer, right? They can't go and learn ninjutsu in another school. They can't train in just around town with another kung fu expert like Sifu, um, Sifu uh, Rick. Uh, so these are the things that we need to talk about and toot our own horn a little bit. And I learned that, too, that it all goes back to communication, right? And the perception is like is is it a value that was another question we asked like what value is it you know do people think that we charge too much we charge too little um you know comparatively speaking uh, do they get the same benefits for the price of being in t-ball baseball soccer football chess club music lessons um and uh, unless we educate them on all the things that we do the many things that we do that's that sift off into others lives people will not quite understand what they are getting. I always say you have a magic pill. All you have to do is come to class and you're taking that pill every single day and we're going to help your child or yourself, adults, teen, doesn't matter, totally reinvent, change, and enhance their lives. Now, you could do that if you're doing um, obstacle races, maybe, I guess. You could do that if you're going to the gym. Maybe you get in better shape, you gain more confidence. But nothing does it like the martial arts. I, I can tell you this because I've done all sports. I've done gymnastics, baseball. I played all the way up to Connie Mack League in baseball. I, I'm a musician, played music my entire life, performed with rock bands and traveled the country, uh, you know, performing and opening up for some of the most famous rock bands that you ever heard of in the 80s, right? Nothing helped my life, changed who I was, built my personality and strength and endurance for, you know, physical 
um, or mental or spiritual like the martial arts. Nothing got me more prepared to fight off the bad guy, meaning, um, you know, stress and, and negativity and peer pressure than the martial arts. I was in a, in a field that I could have easily did drugs, drank, partied all day long. And, um, the martial arts is what kept me clear of that. Like I never, I had an addictive personality because I was addicted to the music and martial arts, but never got involved or tried to smoke pot or drink or cigarettes or drugs in any way or all that stuff. So that's why these parents don't realize if we don't tell them this and get them to really understand it. And by the way, one conversation won't do it. One newsletter won't do it. You have to have this repeated message on a continuous basis so that they understand um, what is going on and that they really buy into. And I don't mean financially buy into, but mentally buy into it. So when Johnny, little Johnny says, mom, I don't want to go. I'm bored. They say, I get it. Jump in the car. We're going anyway. You know, I don't want to go since he's not promoting me. Okay. Who cares? Maybe you're not ready. Stop whining. Like I had two of my little kids yesterday. They're, they're, they're cute. They're, they're such great kids. They're like seven and eight years old. They just turned seven and eight. They're actually four inches shorter than my daughter and, and only a head smaller than I am at that age, right? So we have them training in our teen class. In fact, I had four of my kids yesterday that are some of the kids that give me a little bit of a difficulty, right? And the kids kept saying, all four of them, they were sparring and they kept saying, it's not fair. He hit me in the face. It's not fair. He hit me in the stomach. And I said, listen, guys, stop. Repeat after me. Life, and they said, life isn't fair isn't fair. Life isn't fair. So every time they got hit and they'd start to whine, I'd say, what is the saying? Life isn't fair. Get right back in and spar. Get right back in and do it. So we have to understand, even as school owners too, it's not fair. Who cares? Keep doing what you're doing. Keep communicating your message. Make sure that you communicate on a regular basis. Show people that you care so they in turn believe that you love them and care. And I don't mean believe like you're faking it, but so they know truly that you're doing this for them, right? And then they will tell others and your school will flourish. Does that make sense? I hope so. Anyway, Ryan, uh, that's a good way to confirm their decision for joining our school. Ryan, are you still with me? And if you are, can you verify that a little? I'm not really sure. I was probably talking and you were answering what I was saying. And I'm now I'm way ahead of myself and I don't remember what I was for. Um, Rick Kellerman, how do you train your staff to toot your own horn? Um, video interrupted and frozen. Um, is it still frozen, the video? Can, can anyone give me a post and tell me? Let me look on my page and see on Facebook if it's still frozen and I'm stuck there. Why? I don't know. I have high speed internet and I'm not really sure why. Um, okay. I see it there and it looks like it's, it's going now. So maybe it froze for a minute. So let me get back to it. How, how do you train your staff to toot your own horn? Very simple. In fact, Rick, uh, Sifu Rick, email me. I have an article written on the topic. It says toot your own horn and um, how we could go about doing that. You know, it's called, did you know? Uh, did you know Sifu Rick is a master of Kung Fu? Do you know, did you know Sifu Rick has been training for uh, endless years and blah, blah, blah? Um, did you know that, you know, he's one of a few in our area um, that, you know, did whatever, right? And so on and so forth, right? So, I mean, you, you need, and then you got to train your staff. Like, I'll give you an example. And I, I'm not embarrassed to admit this. Uh, a few years ago, I was doing a lot less teaching and I wasn't involved as much. And, and some of my students that were running the school and a program manager who have now now defunct it and started their own location, um, they would answer a question like this. Like there's someone come up and go, hey, uh, you know, that's Sheehan Alley, man. You know, all he cares about is the money. And they'd be like, well, you know, listen, you know, 
I'm here for you. And so is blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we're doing our best with what we have. And, you know, and they, they were kind of planning their exit strategy. I think in their way, they were kind of manipulating this to do what they were planning to do in the future. However, um, what the answer should have been if I had a really devoted staff and people that cared about the school and me and my organization and the students would have said like, no, no, no. Why do you, why do you have the impression that it's about money with you? I mean, yeah, you, you pay tuition, right? But if you could think about it, how much would you be paying a year in college, right? I pay my daughter 25 or $27,000 a year to go to college, right? In the martial arts, what do we charge? $130 a month, $1,560 a year. I mean, that's quite a small stipend of, tr of payment for us to change someone's lives, right? to teach them a skill that may, God forbid, get them to not accept a drug or peer pressure um, or, you know, uh, how to defend themselves if someone ever attacked them or being aware if someone tried to kidnap them or when things felt uneasy, they could walk away and, and extricate, change themselves and pull themselves out of a situation. I would often say to a parent, like, hey, that your kid got really beat up. How much would you have paid not to have that happen? Or your kid started to do drugs, right? How much would you have paid not to allow that to happen? Or your kid, you know, uh, you know, your kid's not respectful to you at home and, and doesn't clean their room and slams the door in your face and does all sorts of things and says, I hate you. How much would you pay to change that child and make them be more respectful, more caring, more loving, et cetera, et cetera, right? That's a huge question. Remember, they would, they're going to put a kid in college hoping that eventually they'll pay $25,000, hoping that they'll eventually get a job in the respected field that they're studying. And they're taking all these stupid liberal classes that are liberal art classes and things that have nothing to do with their career path because the college is filling them up with credits that's ridiculous, right? And, um, you're, and, and 25 grand and they're going to be upset with us? No. We have to teach them and get them to really understand how we do what we do, why we do what we do. And that's toot your own horn. So Sifu Kellerman, definitely without a doubt, make sure you, um, you know, you inbox, inbox me on Facebook or email me and I will send you or, and anybody here, if you want, I'll send you that toot your horn, uh, toot your own horn article. So um, Master Blanchard, Ryan, by the way, I saw your kids going to school today. How amazing how it, it is that they've grown so much. The last time I was there teaching at your school and hanging with you they were little kids right so that's a long time ago anyway you wrote putting them in a funnel when they join absolutely um they have to be in different funnels throughout their their career hopefully they're listening and what i love about this new software that i mentioned before is you can do interchanging different ways of communicating right so in my two four six eight ten week calls which is now automated years ago we just did two four six eight ten week calls now we do two four six eight ten week communications. One is an email. Uh, two weeks later, because we do an intro email explaining, two weeks later, they get another email. Um, two weeks later, they get a text message or actually um, seven days later, they get a text message saying, did you get the email? And quite often people will say, who is this? I never got an email. And I have to explain to them who I am again. And, and then, then we have to get back on, let me have your email. Let me check your communication. Let's see what's going on. And, um, and then um, quite often my I didn't have the correct email, one letter was off, or the phone number, their home number was in place of their cell number, vice versa. So we have to make sure that we're, we're keeping them in the funnel and we're communicating. Now, after they're done 246810, then we put them in a different funnel. It could be a marketing funnel. It could be a birthday party funnel. And they get these automated 
emails. Sometimes it's just about saying hi, um, you know, motivating them to stay in class. And we have these automations so that we don't not do it because we forgot or we didn't get around to it, right? Around to it, right? We talk about that like a coin. Um, anyway, so those are some of the things that I suggest. And, and by the way, I would go back and listen to this call. There's so much more from the interview with these moms. I had a list of like 20 something questions that I asked them, things that I wanted to know, like, how come you, why do you feel this way or not feel this way? Were you happy, you know? Um, and by the way, the two parents that we interviewed, one wasn't the biggest fan in the beginning. She kind of bucked the system the whole entire way until she finally got indoctrinated enough to believe in it. And now she's so happy. One of them has seven children. One of them has a few children, two or three, and one of them trains. And, uh, and some of them have struggles. You know, I wanted to quit. The kid wanted to quit, but the parents kept them going and, and so on and so forth. So definitely listen to that interview. Email me or inbox me if you want me to send you the toot your own horn article. It's a small little thing, but it'll kind of open up some eyes, some questions. And, and my answer to Sifu Kellerman is you got to train your staff to be able to say, well, you know, this is the benefits. You know, we always say for every negative, throw out two or three positives. Someone says, you know what, it's really hot in here. Yeah, but it's really hot outside. The air conditioning's doing its best, right? Or, you know, my kid hasn't gotten promoted. Well, that's okay because they're working on their material. They're going to be twice as good because they stayed back and really practiced. It's not, people look at non-promotions in sequential or, or expected dates as a negative. I was taught to learn like, listen, you get promoted when you deserve it. None of it means anything. It's just a belt. It's just a color. It's just a marking point. It's the knowledge that helps you survive in the real world. It's the knowledge that helps you become a great martial artist and have pride in what you do. It's not being thrown gifts and, and things like that all the time. So anyway, Long story short, super happy to be on here with everyone. I hope that you're enjoying this, and I hope you're enjoying the calls that we do continuously. By the way, I wrote a book um, about three years ago. It's called Martial Art Business 101. Let me grab it so you can see it. And This book I wrote, um, it sold over a thousand copies and um, I have it available. The book is uh, it's kind of moving away from it. It's, it's, it's retail value and price that I sell it for is $49.99. Um, the reason why I charge so much, it's not a book on philosophy or theory or history. It's a book on how to get things done and actually implement them. Like I do have systems. In fact, in this book, it has the article on tooting your own horn and how to get through all this. But um, what I wanted to offer to you guys, it's, you know, it's $49.99. But if you want buy, to buy the book, I'll sell it for 50% off. So um, what is that? For 50 bucks, $25. You can inbox me and we could do the, you know, the uh, financial exchange change uh, behind the scenes and uh, inbox me and I could send it and ship it to you. And I'll, I'll give you a written guarantee. If you don't like it and you feel, feel the book is a waste of time or money, I will give you your full payment back, 100% money back guarantee. So uh, check out the book. I just love helping people. It's called Martial Arts 101. I have some really great testimonials from people um, on here. Forward, I have a forward from a friend of mine. His name is Mel Abraham. Um, he is a world-renowned speaker. Um, I believe it's Mel Abraham. Uh, yeah, Mel, Mel wrote the forward for my book. Um, and, um, you know, he's a world-renowned public speaker and, and coach and business, uh, business person. 
And uh, anyway, I'd be more than happy to be able to work for you. And uh, Rick Kellerman, uh, a few other people in inboxed me and said that there wasn't a glitch on my end. It may be that it's variable uh, as far as uh, Facebook goes for others. But so far, that from what I've heard, no one said that it, it froze on their end. So um, sometimes when I save the the actual video it takes a little while for it to actually upload and be ready and then and then it catches up and then it's watchable um so if you missed anything i apologize and if it did freeze i have no control over the technology it's the uh, facebook bots that are kind of messing with me right so last last thing i'm going to sign off so uh check out my book martial art business 101 it is available on amazon but i prefer that you get it from me because you'll pay full price on amazon i'll uh, sign it and ship it out to you guys um it is a uh, 230 page book on uh, so many different things i mean the chapters let me read some of the chapters for you um uh, chapter one customer service uh, chapter two, the key to success, goal setting and time management. Chapter three, common mistakes. Chapter four, ninja, mar ninja marketing tactics. Chapter five, systemization of your business. Six, student retention. Uh, the goose that laid the golden egg. Um, eight, uh, seven, employee management. Eight, in the trenches, meaning like what my staff does and stories from my staff or my old staff. Number nine, always be the student of higher education. And it goes on and on. There's 22 chapters. So again, let me know. And I, a guy who was on a call two or three weeks ago picked it up and is loving it. So guys, arigato gozaimasu. 35 minutes, I'm off, not to take up too much of your time. Have an absolute amazing day. I hope you learned something for today, and Dwayne and I will hopefully be back together doing a call next week, okay? Sayonara, everyone. Take care.